Welcome to the Paragold Podcast. This is Jared Pickney, and today I'm joined by Chad Henson, who currently serves as the commander of the Drug Task Force of the 2nd Judicial District. But before that was a federal air marshal. Chad, thanks so much for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. So let's talk about what exactly is a federal air marshal. So, you know, it's to answer that question, you have to go back to how those were uh, initially started. And it started by the Reagan administration. And they actually just had 30 for the entire uh, flight system uh, in the United States. So by the time I made it in was uh, obviously the catalyst of why I was in it was 9-11. Uh, and mm-hmm. so they had 30, and then they had to expand that that number drastically overnight. So we can never say what those numbers are. Those numbers, um, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't know if they've changed. But uh, a federal air marshal is an undercover uh, federal agent that is on any domestic flight, can be on any international flight uh, to prevent, you know, things like 9-11, any type of hostage situation or wow. anything like that. So it's um, it's not arguably, it is the hardest uh, firearms academy that, that's known. Even, uh, that, I mean, it was taught by SEALs and Delta and, um, you know, wow. um, people that uh, shoot competition. Uh, so the, the just the gamut of instructors I had in that academy, uh, I, never see together again so why is that such a hardcore training as opposed to because you gotta be right you can't miss Mm. uh there's just no room for error on an airplane when it's loaded with two three hundred passengers a flight crew fuel and it's thirty thousand feet in the air going 500 mile an hour you just can't miss so wow it's uh it was very very intense now the problem is is how boring it actually is that's uh (laughs) So they, they can tell you, they, you know. That was they, the hardest part they, of the yeah, job. They, something that wasn't in the memo. You know, the, they've made movies over them now and stuff like that. But uh, I'll, I'll be real brief. I tell this story to people that want to know what an air marshal did. So my first flight was out of Chicago. I was stationed O'Hare in Chicago. And when you're on this flight, is it because they suspected don't something? Don't know. They, you never you don't know? They have no idea. So, but I got the idea that uh, there wasn't really a lot of I think thought, if you will, maybe um, on each flight because I had the same flight. And I'll, I'll say what it was. It was get up, uh, and, and back then you had to get on the flight or be in the airport two hours before. So I'd wake up, and I could literally see the airport in Chicago. I could, I mean, I wasn't far from it. But Were it you almost, living there? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It took me about an hour to get to the airport because okay. hmm. traffic's so bad. Get there. And, uh, you know, there was a certain method you can get through without going through security. There's certain people you can talk to, and and uh, they would divert you around. So, obviously, you're armed to the teeth, you know, ammo and guns. And You show uh, a badge, or is it they just know your face? There, 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 was, there, was a, there was a guy, there was a protocol. Okay. So, um, and they would escort you around. I'd get on the flight, you know, sometimes an hour, hour and a half before. Did you get a uniform? No, no. Because you do not want to, like... Have a mark on sometimes you. Sometimes it look like this. Sometimes shorts, t-shirt, or you, you know. look like just a that's mm-hmm. a normal dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you'll 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 never recognize them when you get on the plane. Yeah, so you probably flown flown with several. You just didn't know about it. Uh, we got on the plane, and my first one's out of Chicago, and um, I get on the plane, and it's a, a seven forty seven. 
which means the 747's got a, uh, it's two decks. And so first class, we were, we're, I was flying in first class first class this day mm. that's so, a pretty sweet gig yeah, it it's was. okay to be bored in first yeah, class again i'm 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 uh, i'm at 100 when i got on the plane i'm like this is gonna be the greatest job ever ah. i sit down i'm in first class and the flight's name taking off we're still on the tarmac and this lady brings me this silver tray and uh there's obviously some white towels on top of it and they're steaming not yeah, I'm from Marmaduke, Arkansas. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> She's got a set of tongs in her hand. She grabs the tongs, she grabs this towel, and she hands it to me. And uh, I realize it's a hot towel. It's wiped my hands, you know, to get it going. I'm like, goodness, what's about to happen here? And uh, she brings me out this filet mignon. And, when, again, we're still on the ground. And I just devour this uh, filet mignon. Like it's going really well so far. The greatest Great job gig. ever. Yeah. And then uh, the movie screen at the time was on the back of the headrest, and the movie was uh, uh, The Rookie with Dennis Quaid. And so I'm sitting there watching this movie, just, okay, i got to remember what I'm doing here. Okay. (laughs) And so we take off, and uh, so I'm Chicago to L.A., and then I get off the plane in L.A., and I have to do what's called a puddle jumper to San Francisco, which is about a 30-minute flight. I get off the flight, sleep, get up the next day, Puddle jump from San Fran to L.A., get on a flight, and this lady, I recognize her, and she's walking toward me, and she's got a silver tray, and she's got some towels on it, and they're steaming. She's got a tongue, and she hands it to me, and I'm like, I know what this this game is, and wipe my hands, and man, she brings out a filet mignon, and I just tear it up. Guess what the movie is? Rookie? No way. And the next day, Chicago, L.A., hot towel, filet mignon. (laughs) The rookie, <laughs> uh, puddle jump to San Fran, sleep almost the same hotel. Get the next day, San Fran, L.A. Guess what the movie is? This is this is wow. Groundhog Day. So no, I didn't get that memo. Wow. So that's wow. the job. And the only cool that. thing about it is, is you know, you had to. So what do you do if somebody? Okay, like so they're they're training you literally for is it simply for a terrorist or just someone who would for whatever a fight breaks out? Like no, where are you? no, what is no, your... no. The, uh, the, the all flight attendants and all pilots actually are to deal with that. Uh, it is a felony to interfere with any of the flight crew, but the flight attendants deal with that. And to the point that you know when you're supposed to interject, and it's not on a fight, it's not an argument, it's not someone being belligerent and stuff like that, but when you're given that, if you will, quote-unquote nod. Then from you, from uh, the, attendant? Yeah, from flight attendant. So that they know who you are? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. you had to go in there and you had to brief them. And, um, so, yeah, now today I don't know how to answer that question. I, I, you have to know everything about the plane or does it not yeah, matter? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you, you know to, all about that, yeah, where the compartments your, are, where they can hide, what they could do. You had to search it. You had to search every nook and cranny of it before it took off. So that's why you're on there for an hour and a half. So so you would actually do the search? I did, yeah. Yeah, top to bottom. Why you? Like, uh, but, uh, again, it's just the training I could imagine uh, the the stuff that we were going through at the time that uh, could be contraband. There's a lot of people on a plane, just besides flight attendants. There's a lot of people that have access to a plane. So you got flight crew. You know the the food that's got to get on there some way. The fuel has to get on there some way. And so all these people have to be vetted. And so you have to search what they've done. So it was very very intense post 9/11, mm. and uh, it was a very very intense job. What was the training like for that? Again, it's just. Uh, absurdly fun so it, it might have been hard yeah uh but a lot of running uh, a lot of shooting 
I, I, you know, this is not a secret. I shot so many rounds in 10 weeks. I had to get a new barrel when I left the academy. Wow. So, uh, and you're kind of known for your the, shooting. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and not, not before, not before. After, oh, you weren't known before. No, I mean, I, they, they just, that's where you like yeah, it. Yeah. You get, you, uh, just see so many people getting kicked out, you know, for not qualifying. I mean, you had to qualify day one and qualify every day since then. You could not score below X or you're gone. Jeez. And so that's when you're literally quit your job and now you're, you know, this is your your job now. So it, it behooves one to get better. So. Yeah. How did uh, you, how did, can anybody go through that? Like if I was like, you know what, I want to be a fiddler. Like, well, you know. yeah, you got to, obviously the, um, the, the background is in, in, in is is incredibly hard. So what was a funny story about that is most of my background is from Paragol, my, my character references, if you will. So and you said you went to Marmaduke. Yeah, yeah. I actually went. I've, I I moved around a lot. So I okay. One of the one of the stories I was going to say is is the FBI come interviewed my kindergarten teacher at CRA. Wow, oh, jeez! Your so, kindergarten yeah. teacher? Why your kindergarten teacher? That's how intense that background. Like is. what are that? What could they possibly ask a kindergarten they teacher? Wanna, they want to find out. Uh, what do you think? You have no idea what they've been no asked. But the, the the funny thing is, is I didn't, I couldn't tell nobody where I was going. So when the FBI come around doing character references, and they're like, "Oh man, what has he done?" Yeah, yeah. they probably yeah. think, yeah. "Oh man, oh, Chad's." So like, I have yeah. no idea. I I just know that uh, they wouldn't talk to her, and uh, no idea what she said. Or how many name, she, How many times did he get his name on the board? She's probably <laughs> one of the best teachers ever had. Her name was uh, Miss Betty, Miss Betty Gatlin, and. Uh, uh, First grade CRA, and uh, they, I'm sure she spoke highly of me, but that was, you know, 20 something years prior. So uh, they, they did a real intense background, and, and then they, you know, the, just not everybody could pass that. So uh, again, they thrust people into that position. So there was people getting kicked out in the academy based on their background. So, um, and then to pass something like that, physically, I wasn't, obviously, I wasn't the best. But I uh, end up being Top Gun out of the out of the academy. That's excellent. Did you have? Uh, did you grow up hunting? A little bit. Shooting? A little okay, bit, but you but were you like know, crazy. Uh, you know, the, at that point, nobody knew you. Is like that's old sharpshooter Chad Henson. Now, there. Not with the pistol. <laughs> now with the rifle, I was okay. But uh, I had been in law enforcement before nine eleven, so I had been. I worked at Blavel Police Department, and again, the first day I started at Blavel is the first day I. Had a, I held a pistol. So. I'm guessing you saw more action there than you did on the plane. A little bit, yeah, a little bit, yeah. I, I you know, the 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 two things I have. Everybody asked me what, what anything happened. Well, I told you all about the movie The Rookie, <laughs> and uh, about four or five months in, Dennis Quaid sat beside me. Wow! Whoa! <laughs> Come on! And uh, couldn't talk to him. Uh, you know, just what do you mean you couldn't talk you to him? You can't talk. You can't. You well, you just I couldn't talk to him. So, like, uh, if I would have sat by you, and I'm, not, I'm that annoying guy that's like, hey, partner, where are you heading? Like, are you able to be like, ah, Los Angeles? You know, we had a way. Yeah, there's a way to get okay. around that. So, yeah, I, I just couldn't start a conversation with you. Couldn't obviously tell you the truth. Wow. So, there he is watching his movie. And he's not <laughs> watching crazy. it. I did, I did lean over, and there's one part in the movie where um, he's talking to his son on the phone. And I did. He's He's... Dennis has got, he's being given some food on the plane. And while he's giving that food, I took the time to say, that was pretty cool. And I pointed towards <laughs> you. So. 
yeah. And, and uh, uh, that, that's literally the only thing that ever happened to me is watch this movie 800 times, which I can memorize it by. You know, Obviously, I can tell you all a scene from 20 years ago. I know that movie. Uh, We're going to bring you back on the uh, in the future just to talk about the rookie and yeah. all, the, all the deep insights that you oh, pulled man, from I it. got it, buddy. I got it. So you uh, – you you get there, you do the background check, and then you said it was mainly just a lot of uh, the sharpshooting stuff. Is like that's, you know, that's what was the most intense part of it. You came out of that, and if I've heard correctly, like I know Brad Snyder, I was talking to him about you because mm-hmm. you know you are friends and and work together, work alongside each other. And he was telling me something about like, hey, this guy really knows how to shoot. Like, what are you talking about? And he's like, you, he can hang upside down and hit a target <laughs> from so far away. I was like, what are you talking? What what is that? So there was a uh, uh, show on the History Channel called Top Shot, and it come out uh, 2009, 2010. And one of the requirements is you had to shoot a video of yourself, you know, shooting. And so for two seasons, I had tried out, and so I had some, I had some guys from the PD would uh, we we made just a goofy video of me shooting stuff out of the air, and I just I had to get more content and content, and so. One guy, I was actually laying on the ground upside down, and I was shooting something at 100 yards. Well, this guy, social media, again, is just is in early infancy, so I would found a the troll. The troll is on social media saying, well, that's not really upside down. And so he's calling me out. So the next day I had some patrolmen come out there and hold my legs while I'm on, uh, I'm hanging off a, uh, um, a picnic table and we've got it set up vertical. And so they're behind it, holding my legs down, which really, really hurt. I bet it did. And I'm shooting, uh, three targets at 75 yards and they're metal. And so you instantly get the feedback. Ding. And so I put the camera right between the metal. So it looks like I'm shooting at the camera. And so you hear the ding, ding, ding. And, uh, our our videography was so bad that you don't see me reload. So I reload upside down, which I thought was more cool than shooting. <laughs> so, but nobody caught that. But it was wow. a, just a poor attempt by a bunch of goofballs to try to make a TV show. <laughs> well, but, you hold a record too, right? Or at least at one point you did. Of uh, I guess it was in Police Academy, or when was it when you were shooting? It was like five hundred for five. Yeah, I shot. Uh, the, we had at the time a uh, a course which. In the Federal Air Marshals, if you shot uh, 300, is a perfect score. And uh, the the thing in the academy was if you shot a perfect score, you could carry one more bullet down there. So you had 51 bullets. And the target was held up by a rubber band. And so you shot 7 yards, 15 yards, 25 yards. And then if you were good enough, you can go back to the 50-yard and try and shoot the rubber band. And if you shot the rubber band, your target would fall and you wouldn't have to pick up brass. And so when you're shooting all day, it, again, it behooves one to get better so you don't have to stand out there all night picking up brass. So I could shoot that rubber band. And so I carried on. So when I was at Jonesboro PD, we had a course that was 500. And uh, luckily I had a couple of chaplains out there watching me one day during qualifications <laughs> and I shot a 500. So I think at the time is the, the first uh, someone ever shot 500. However, it's not the last. There's been several that's followed me. It's it's really neat to see the accuracy of um, of my profession really pick up. And so there's several people that can shoot just as good, probably even better than me now. So that's really neat. 
That's a great accomplishment, though. Incredible story. I'm curious, just to fast forward to, to current day with the, you know, with your current position as the commander of the Drug Task Force in the Second Judicial District. I don't even know. Excuse my ignorance. What is the Second Judicial District like? Where's that at? Well, each. Um, what does uh, it cover? What yeah, but part of uh, Arkansas. There's twenty uh, something districts in in Arkansas, and ours uh, in Paragol and uh, um, uh, is called the Second. So. The second judicial makes up Clay County, Greene County, Craighead County, uh, Poinsett County, Mississippi County, and Crittenden County. It's the largest in Arkansas. So it's it wow. pretty much the entirety of Northeast Arkansas. So what we do is we have um, agents that are already employed by a police department, a sheriff's department, or even the state police, and they assign people to a narcotics unit, and they're under that that realm, if you will, called the, the drug task force. So uh, as me as the commander, I'm kind of like the coordinator, if you will, kind of like the, the coach. I use that a lot. People make fun of me for it. Oh, no, that's uh, helpful for me. <laughs> kind of just – it's just, just an all-star team of, of um, guys and gals that are, are agents working narcotics in, in our community. How did you get in that position? Well, it's a, it's a long road. This is about my 20 – I'm going on my 25th year in law enforcement. Again, I told you I started at Paragol. And – um, uh, after the air marshal, I, I, the reason I left the air marshal, I got hurt real bad. It hurt my, my knee and that's why I'm constantly rubbing it right now. Mm. But, uh, I, I've always, I've always stayed in law enforcement. I, I, um, I took a, a, a break, if you will. And I went overseas. I was a, a, a peacekeeper in Kosovo for a couple of years and, uh, just my, I, I wanted to get back home. And when I did, I start. I went back to Jonesboro. I went to Jonesboro police department. And I uh, had a friend that was working in a town just south of me get killed in the line of duty. And it really just it just changed everything about my life. In what way? Uh, just because uh, I had taught him. Uh, you know, I was the, the person I was before Jonathan passed away was not a teacher, not a leader, more selfish. It's more inward. Uh, Trying to accomplish your own goals. Yeah, you know, and I, and I look back at those videos now and I was like, well, that's, that was probably grandstanding. That was, that was, uh, that was selfish. It's just, mm. I, 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 I'm not saying I don't like the guy before that, but when Jonathan passed away, um, there were some leadership things that, uh, uh, were absent in that police department. So when the job of police chief came open, uh, at, at Truman, um, I drove down there. I mean, I, I tell, um, my son all the time that uh, if you want a job, drive down there and go ask for it. And I did. Mm-hmm. By the time I made it back to Jonesboro, I'm the police chief of Jonesboro. And I uh, did that for nine years. And uh, when this position come open, being a police chief is so incredibly hard and it's so incredibly political. Uh, In what it, ways? Like, what do you mean it's hard, it's political? Well, because, um, you know, you, you serve at the pleasure of the mayor. And uh, it's it's you're, you're pulled so many ways more than any other department head in the city. And I'm not speaking uh, ill toward any uh, pos- sure. position like that. You're just saying this is the way it is in pretty is. much every city yeah. you've yeah. right. And it's and it's incredibly hard for um, for that position because it's so out there. And if if you've not been living under a rock the last ten years, you know, law enforcement has been had, had a had a hard time. And the chief has got to be out there at the front. These are his people, but he's also had to, to, to listen to the public, and he's had to 
just be so exposed. He or she has to be so exposed more than I think uh, decades ago. And so it's really hard, and it really takes a toll on you. So when this position came open, I, I, as the commander, I knew it was, a, if you will, be a break for me to uh, take a step back and from that because there's so many, I think, great, better leaders than me that are wanting to have that position, and uh, I was lucky enough to have, have one of those. And mm. so this is kind of like uh, uh, Mr. Hamilton was saying the other day, you're always trying to replace yourself as a leader. Mm. And that's if you're not, then you know you, you may yes. become stale. Yes. And so I think I felt like I was becoming stale. And the way drugs is just, um, it's just it's everywhere in our community, and we need to become we we need to become more regional than Paragol Police Department, Jonesboro Police Department, Blavel doing their own thing. We need to, as a region, come together. And when we have all those agents, we can come to Paragol, we can go to Brooklyn, we can go anywhere. So as they say, you know, uh, we're better together mm-hmm. instead of, you know, we, we the unintended consequences of having four-lane roads is, is the bad guys can get here a lot quicker. But we have jurisdictions. With the task force, we don't have jurisdictions. We can go anywhere in the state. We, matter of fact, we, we're the only one that borders two states. So we boarded Tennessee and Missouri, so we can go up there and uh, do what we have to do. So drugs and bad guys, are, we're trying to just get back on their their level and uh, work in a regional capacity. Where do you get uh, your information from, like, to learn about, you talk about the bad guys, you know, the guys who are maybe bringing the drugs in or selling and all that, like, is that primarily information that y'all have to go and get, or does that come from you from outside sources? Like, how do you find it? Uh, information like uh well just in regards like if you're going to try to find someone who you know is uh bringing drugs you know intent yeah. to sell or whatever like is and they come from other places my guess is we have people from the outside coming in here oh, outside, yeah. yeah like that's i, I could be wrong on that. yeah so we, you know we, we've been known in northeast arkansas uh unfortunately a lot for our meth methamphetamine methamphetamine used to be made here if you will and i'm not saying it's not but, you know, we used to have open major labs here. Yes. yes. And then we kind of reduced that to where we have. Clean uh, that up, right? We're, we, yes, compared to where we were in the 90s and 2000s, absolutely. We're a different world because the labs are no more. They don't make it that way no more. But what we see now primarily is is ice, if you will. It's a just different form of methamphetamine. It primarily comes from Mexico. Uh, our, And I'm not trying to diminish cocaine methamphetamine or any of those but fentanyl is uh it's over it's it's game over uh the, what do you mean? the fentanyl that we're getting uh from uh china from uh china. fentanyl is a um so what we had for the waves if if you're listening and and you're trying to get educated on where we're at in the in the drug war if you will uh, it started off uh, with you know cocaine or the cocaine wars uh, started in Miami and Florida and worked its way up here uh, become you know as they say cocaine was sold more than coca-cola back at one time and the profits were just uh, enormous so we left the 80s and 90s and then we moved into our region our, our sector of, uh, of the world uh, to you know a little bit of marijuana mostly methamphetamine and then uh, the opioids started really taking over. And opioids, when I mean that, is heroin has always been some type of 
drug of choice for other people. Hmm. But uh, pills, uh, these yes. uh, oxycontin, these hydrocodone. You just get these, them anywhere, right? Go to the doctor. Or is that the well? It, it, you know, it was it was up up until a point because the uh, the they had been misinformed uh, yes. by the drug companies that these are uh, not addictive, and when we find out that they are addictive. We're a decade or two behind knowing that. And so we actually had, you know, when you have what we'd say a bad guy, what I was saying earlier in the cocaine world, bad guy sold someone cocaine. They made a choice. They made a bad, bad choice to take that cocaine. But when someone goes to the doctor and they get hydrocodone or oxy and they end up becoming uh, addicted to it, they're not bad. You know, uh, uh, and then their their body is is overdosing, and they're 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 going to go and withdraw if they don't have it. So they had to find a substitute because the doctor is has terminated them from being a patient. Mm. And so what they found out is is that uh, it was replaced by heroin, and heroin is way cheaper than any oxycontin pill could be. And then when heroin began to uh, be reduced from you know primarily it's coming in from Afghanistan. During the war, it began to reduce. It had to be filled in by something else, and here comes fentanyl. So a pack. What of, is fentanyl? Do? I don't know anything about fentanyl. Fentanyl is is a, is a powder, and if I could uh, reduce it down to this conversation, if you could put a pack, or you could put this powder into, let's say, a sweet and low bag, right? And you have a, a sweet and low bag. That entire pack of that could kill somewhere around five hundred people. No. And so the Arkansas State Police in the last few years have seized over 70 pounds. That's, you know, hundreds of thousands of of grams. That could kill uh, millions Millions of people. people. So uh, these Oxycontin, uh, these pills, any pill now can be faked and pressed into what looks like the actual pill. And so to... Uh, fill in the market for these lack of hydros and oxys. What they're doing is, is they're actually making fake pills with fentanyl, and they're not in a lab. They're not putting the exact amount of fentanyl to mimic the exact uh, hydro or oxy uh, filling. And so, um, you know, the saying is, is you can get uh, fentanyl over the internet just as easy as you can some um, Beats or some uh, earbuds. And so you can imagine the, the amount of pressure it puts on a family or a parent to watch everything that your child's doing on the internet, who they're talking to, where they're going. And so it's just, just, just coming to our community like a wave. So is fentanyl, does it, if it's in the right dosage, it does what an opioid does? Like it just. It can. So it's, it's a hundred times more potent. than hundred times yeah. more potent. Yeah. So we, um. I, I tell you how, how, how bad it is and how bad I need people to understand how bad it is, is that police officers now are carrying medicine on their tool belt, and the medicine is called Narcan. And uh, so when the, uh, when the overdose happens, it begins to affect your diaphragm, and people literally suffocate, but this Narcan can be injected through the nose. It's kind of like a, a, a mist that goes in your nose, and it can bring them out of their, uh, out of their state, and it can stop the overdose. So it's it's so bad with overdoses in Arkansas that law enforcement is carrying medicine now Jeez. to prevent this, and so I I showed I gave a speech the other day to a uh, a Rotary Club and I I showed them the call log I could pull the call log up from Craig County on my phone, and I says he may want to take a bet if I have an overdose actively happening right now. Sure enough, I pulled it up and there's two overdoses in Jonesboro, so it's live, it's real. 
you need to pay attention. And it's around, and this is mainly around yeah. fentanyl. That's yeah, like so the, my, my talking point is, is if you have any spare medicine, any, I don't care if it's old ibuprofen, all the way to morphine from the time that you were sick in your medicine cabinet, please take it to a drug take bag. Uh, Perigo Police Department has one. Green County has one. A lot of police departments have one, and they'll incinerate it. So do so not. So are people pour. going through trash? Like they'll or, break into a house just because they hope that you have medicine inside your cabinet. Like an so, opioid. Yeah. yeah. So if you, uh, you know, in the, in the lingo of law enforcement is modus operandi. It's a Latin word for method of operation. We have sick people breaking into houses, not for stereos, not for your TV, but for your medicine cabinet. Because they're just, their bodies are craving at that. Withdrawal, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's an awful disease, and uh, again, they are not bad people, and they need. They're trying to survive, uh, exactly, right? and they need our help. Help them, help me, help you by one taking your medicine out and not being, you know, trying to eliminate your being a victim here, and get that disposed of. Is there anything we can do besides that? That's important, and that's a great tip. And I've got, I don't have, I don't know if I have any opioids in my. I don't think I have any pain medication or anything like that in my. But if I did, that's good to know good practical tip but like is there anything beyond that that we actually can do to fix this problem yes uh you know you you said it and when you were talking to donna so not people you were asking him how how is it that you are like a superman and you're able to do this while other people are going on about their day they're doing this and doing that we in law enforcement call them the silent majority and they're, they're, they're there to support us when we need them. But most of the time, you know, they're taking kids to volleyball or softball. Mm-hmm. They got a game. They're going to church or whatnot. Mm-hmm. We, you, have to wake up and see that the wave is coming. Law enforcement alone cannot stop this fentanyl problem, this overdose problem. It's you. It's the homeowner. It's the family member. It's the person that knows it's that, that uh, hey, I'm, I'm at your house and I see you have pain medication. You might want to drop that off. It may just be a simple conversation. A simple conversation with your uh, husband, husband or daughter, or whatnot. It's we have to be involved, and it starts off with one being aware. So you need to literally Google fentanyl right now, and car fentanyl, and opioids, and 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 understand what the the problem we have coming. Because uh, if law enforcement is carrying medicine on their belt, what's next? Who else is on the front line? What well, has to be it has to be you. It has to be you, the listener. It has to be all of us in this to stop this. So we know where it's coming from, from uh, China. We Why need can't to talk we to our, stop it if we, we know where it comes again, from? Again, that's a good point. We need to talk to our legislators, our lobbyists, everybody that you know that's got some type of power to say, hey, uh, this is bogus. We need to stop this from coming over there. We're going to stop, you know, a ship or many ships or, or this type of shipment or and or Get more involved into your law enforcement. I mean, we are, you know, we just don't have a large budget. You know, we don't have a large amount of people wanting to do this job. So when you say, when you're talking to Donis and say, hey, how is it you're so uh, different than everybody else? We have to stop that language. Everybody has to get involved. I don't care if it's one way or another, we have to get involved in our community because not just a handful of our community can fight the battle of, like, he, you know, him, him building a bridge. And it can't be me or Brad dealing with the fentanyl. It has to be all of us on this one, or we're going to lose. Do you 
does it seem like everything like if it feels almost like this uh first off i agree 100 percent. like yes like invest in your city seek to make it better like be the change that you want Mm -hmm. to see happen in your community don't just sit back and be like these guys should do you know they're the experts they should be paying to do it like 100 percent agree everyone has responsibility um does it seem like the p everything has to be preventative like is it too late like once somebody has gone down this road like and they're in their drug addiction like I can talk to different people from different rehabs and it seems like it is so hard mm-hmm. once you get in to get out of that. Mm-hmm. It is. There's, there's, there's no easy conversation, but yeah, there's never a final full stop for anybody. Um, and, uh, this is, you know, we, we, we need a lot of things, need a lot of change. And I'm always talking about criminal justice reform. Uh, and, and that is one of them. We cannot look at someone that has a drug habit as a bad guy, if you will. Yes. As, uh, let's put them in jail and then they're going to get right. Not that doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. Right? happen. Uh, uh, we started, we stopped using uh, prison and jails as reformation decades ago. You don't reform in prison. No. You reform in these faith based places or the, we, these uh, um, Those programs uh, like programs or celebrate recovery. And somewhere AA and where and someone can have an intimate relationship with that person. That's huge. But y- using a block wall and a, and a steel door to say, mm, fix the problem. I'm telling you, it's not, it's the not relationship piece is huge. <laughs> you know, I just, uh, had a conversation is this is, this does not happen to me often, by the way. And Robert knows this, but I was driving, I was riding my bike. That's what I was doing. I was riding my bike, taking a little break and I pull up close to my office. This is on Monday. This is this week. Guy honks his horn SUV comes out towards me. <laughs> completely tatted up. I'm like, well, what did I do? Like cut this guy off. What happened? And he's like, Hey man, you a pastor. And I said, uh, yeah, actually I am. And, uh, he said, okay. He's like, my brother just died. He had been, you know, in and out of drugs. My mom's on hospice. I'm looking to go in my life. And I just felt like maybe I should talk to you first. We talked for maybe 15, 20 minutes. I've been carrying this conversation with this guy. And as the week has gone on, I've seen, some hope begin to build some sense of like my life's not over mm-hmm. some sense of like, maybe there's another way out. And just to your point, what led this guy to this place of it's over, like was isolation. Mm-hmm. Like he felt like literally there was no way out, but it was in a relationship in this case, which was kind of a spontaneous one, but still a relationship nonetheless that has given this guy at this point, some hope. Mm-hmm of like maybe I can get out, maybe yeah. I can change. And I think like what you said is just like we don't need to, if you're listening to this, like we just need to brush over that. Because I think the problem with what you're talking about is it's not fast. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Like there's it's not a it's not a um here's three steps you can take within the next month and everything's gonna be better. Right. Like relationships are messy and they take a long time to develop healthy ones. And it takes some like putting some skin in the game. <laughs> But I 100% agree with you. I could not agree more. Like intimate relationships are the way forward. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the only thing that I, I mean. I I'd, I'd try to uh, remember life lessons uh, coming up of someone that took the time just to point me in the right direction. Yep. You know, and uh, those are very powerful moments for me. So just imagine what it's going to do to this guy for you. 
uh, man, that, that one time that he could have turned around, he could have drove off, he could have told me a thousand things, but he took the time just to say 30 seconds of, of this. It's a, a very powerful thing just to look someone in the eye and say, hey, I feel you. Uh, yes. You can mirror their conversation and just, you know, give them some advice. They don't need a brochure. They just need your moment, your time. 100%. And if everybody would uh, just take the time just to change one life or just have that conversation with somebody, where would we be in four or five years? Yes. And, you know, Seth Haynes is a lawyer and uh, an author in Northwest Arkansas. And I read a book from him on addiction last year called The Book of Waking Up. And he said the question is never why the addiction, but why the pain? Mm -hmm. And like with this guy, I won't tell what his trauma was. It's not my place. But he shared with me just in the time we were there an incredible amount of trauma that he had experienced from his life. Most people, I'm guessing you're like, these people aren't bad people. Mm -hmm. Like, most people don't wake up and be like, I want to just become an absolute addict. You know, right. it's like there's some deep, deep, deep pain mm-hmm. from their past that they're trying to cope with, deal with, yeah. you know, Mo- not always, but I think right, a lot right, of the times yeah, that right. is the case. Yeah. And that again involves hearing the story, yeah. which is what we talked about Sonia before. Yeah. You know, that's one of the things I loved about her story and yeah. what she's trying to do as a lawyer. And so, well, she and I and Brad and I name a lot of the public servants have seen hundreds of these. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be very morbid uh, in talking about this. I'm just more of a call to action. But uh, I recently read a, um, a, a friend of a family give me a cell phone from a, a girl that went to rehab. And she said, there's fentanyl dealers on her phone. Would you please take care of it? And, and eventually I would get one of the largest fentanyl dealers out of Memphis on, on these texts. But it was so heartbreaking wow. to read her text that the family is saying, please let me come get the daughter. Please let me come get the daughter. And uh, don't put that, don't take that fentanyl patch. And she just basically replied, uh, listen, uh, I understand. But, you know, I'm summarizing what she's saying. I understand. You know, love her. I love her. And t- she's talking about her daughter sitting on a couch alone while her mom is about to take this fentanyl patch because she has to or because nobody's there with her and she's excusing all this behavior because she's so sick and it's just yes. heartbreaking to see one there's there's several victims in there the family that are just dying to get custody of that daughter the daughter who's sitting there watching mom and the mom who feels like this is no other way out and uh, they're everybody in that conversation is looking toward law enforcement and say hey fix this yes and I'm I'm like, well, I can go over and I, I can put handcuffs on her, but it's not going to fix the problem. What I can do is try and get you all involved, try and get custody of her, try and get her some help. There's a lot of steps, and it takes a lot of time, but it just takes someone to care for her just to stay on it, you know, because I have to move on to the next one. You have to stay here with her. So that is, uh, it's incredibly hard to read because some of them fall through the cracks and they'll overdose and, Maybe yeah. the, 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 the baby uh, survives or, or, you know, it's just, it's, I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's in our community. It's happening every day. And we don't see it, right? Yeah, a lot exactly. Of times. Right. And it, that's why it feels so much like this is like TV show type stuff. Yeah. Or like this doesn't uh-huh. happen in, in, you know, towns like this. How, I'm trying to think of a way to phrase, well, let me ask it like this. Is the drug problem worse now or is it trending in the right direction? Overall, like, again, I'm not trying to. I feel like uh, looking back at the last 20 minutes is kind of like, man, I hope I'm not leaving a, a you know, just 
there's there's no. Well, I chance. hope you're painting a picture of reality because yeah, this it, is important, by the way, too. It's like that's the problem sometimes. Is like, no, just give me the positive and let's just focus on the positive. And it's like, but but visions birth out of crisis. Yeah. So you've got to paint a picture of like if something's broken, you need to know it's broken, and then maybe it does create some sense of urgency of like, what are you do something about. I this? think I'll, I'll put it this way: it's the uh, two things. One, it's the worst I've ever seen. But two, I have not seen anybody that's backing down as far as law enforcement that is like uh all right we're, we're done we're we're it's uh hands up in the air let's go Forget let's it. just walk away yeah i'm just gonna i'm just gonna go do this job uh no they're they're digging in and again uh, me on top of a mountain or in front of this microphone saying hey you guys everybody listen yes please help please help and yes there's light at the end of the tunnel uh, the, you know, uh, uh, we have seen some type of decrease in overdoses. It's not great, but it is something because we have so many programs going on and we have Narcan. We are saving. I think we're up to a uh, 300 saves now. That's doesn't sound like a lot, but that is it, fantastic, man. way more than uh, that represents a lot of people. Exactly. And, 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 and we're getting trained on, on education for law enforcement in itself. So yeah, you do have a lot of great public service out there that are, on the front, and they they do see the light at the end of the tunnel. Do we know why, from your position, why it's worse now than ever? Like, just because you obviously are going to know, I think, as well as others, because you're you're hearing these stories and you're seeing the trends. Like, yeah, it's so it's so reclusive now because uh, twenty years ago, someone that had crack cocaine in their pocket, uh, uh, you know, you're um, it's game over for you. But someone's got twenty pills in their pocket and they got a prescription for it. Now what, uh, what what can I do? Yeah. But then they, you turn their back and they sell one for twenty dollars. Gotcha. It's, it's a lot harder now, if you will. Uh, of course, I, I say when I when I started, it was before the advent of uh, cell phones. Now cell phones, uh, uh, text message, and now we have uh, you know readily encrypted uh, text messaging mm-hmm. service like Snap or mm-hmm. or anything that can be encrypted, and we can't get that. So yeah, they. Uh, People, the, the if you will the bad guys are way ahead of us on on technology and and we're just constantly trying to catch up to them and that is just more funding right is what we need 100 percent. yeah I, I can't i can't uh, stress that enough so when it's 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 funny when they say defund the the police department it's just just absolute the, the opposite of what we need you know i i have a couple of questions if i could I, one is um like who who you said it comes over from china and uh, you said, you know, that you mentioned some dealers, I guess you were talking about in Memphis. Uh, wh- who, what kind of people, what kind of person is, are the ones that are getting involved in, in, in pushing this stuff to the end user here, states like in Northeast Arkansas? Where's it? I know it's coming from. How China, does it get in How's it getting here? Yeah. And, you know, it's a, it's a good question. And probably if I did uh, want to get the answer, it probably wouldn't be in this medium. But. There is um, um, certain ways that they can get it over here, and we're you know trying to narrow that funnel down. If is you it will. one kind of? Per- is it like are no? These, uh, no, you, you put them up against a wall. You put five of those guys. Really, they're they're from yeah well, high school college students to get involved in this kind of stuff, yes. like moving this uh, stuff around. From yeah, I've seen from as young as high schoolers uh, to as old as you know. There's no limit. Okay. So uh, it's uh, the motivation. Obviously, is money. Money does not care if uh, if you say, "All right, that one pack could kill 500 people." 
Yeah, oblivious. There's to still it. a ton of money, that, I guess, that's involved in it. Massive amounts of money. Well, that leads to another question. I was okay. So some people have this idea like decriminalization, you know, because it takes the money out of it, you know. Um, uh, but apparently, like Portland, have you been reading about this, Jared? But Portland has like decriminalized hard drugs, and now they've got this like epidemic on the streets. Yes. People are shooting up under bridges yes. and all this, just out in the open. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Like, uh, yeah, I do, and that's why I'm. I'm I mean, here. you think about marijuana and yeah. things like that. Yeah, I, I'm here in Paraguay. I think uh, yeah, listening to your past podcast is like, why Why do you do this? Like, this is where I live. Yeah. This is my community. And so my family's here. I do not want to pass someone going down 49 between here and Jonesboro that's high on marijuana. Mm. And I, I listen, I completely understand the, the benefits of marijuana, but I also see the repercussions of doing it uh, unresponsibly. What are and, those repercussions, just from your perspective? Uh, you cannot operate any machinery while you're on a, a, a depressant, while you're on anything that would inhibit your ability to react in X amount of time and operating a 2000 pound vehicle at 50 miles an hour, hitting another object going 50 miles an hour is a hundred hour impact. And you've seen and this s- kind of thing happen. Oh yes, uh, absolutely. So if we do legalize marijuana, you will not be able to drive an automobile, but we can't stop them right now. Uh, you know when they're on alcohol. So um, again, when we do that, if if and when we do that, the state uh, decides to do that, we're going to need twice as many law enforcement. And we've been told this by Colorado, Portland. Oh wow! People, that do people that. have already done yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. So it doesn't decrease the amount of law enforcement you need because now it's legal. Hundred percent, no, it, it doubles it. Yeah, because I mean, because uh, uh, this is they, messing with your mind. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they they've had they have had a variety, and I could go into this for about an hour of the problems they've had in, in Colorado, from homelessness to uh, DWIs to uh, a variety of different things that, that consequence of legalizing this drug uh, has incurred. Now, again, recreational, doing it inside your home, I'm of the stance it's the same thing as alcohol, okay? We're allowed to do it at our home, but some people don't. What are the repercussions of it? You hit a family of five going to church, and that's something that, uh, that if we do as a state, then that's the repercussions that's going to happen. So, again... This is why elections matter so much. This is why talking to politicians matters so much. This is why getting involved is so important that this storm is coming. Uh, don't just be sitting there a silent uh, majority waiting for uh, the verdict. Yeah. It's good. Do you find, um, speaking of like some of these marijuana, LSD, maybe some of these that aren't as quote-unquote dangerous, I guess. You're saying fentanyl. So you said a pack of of uh sweetener mm-hmm. yeah anyway um some people I always grew up hearing those of those things as being like gateway drugs you know are we is that something you actually see played out um in reality that people do start maybe younger people especially because i deal a lot with younger people and um mm-hmm. that does that does lead to harder things whether it's fentanyl or or cocaine or something else yeah i i think um you know, there's these people that have these sticks, if you will. They'll 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 say that marijuana is a, a gateway drug, or they that you know that wasn't my my upbringing. Um, poor decisions are the gateway to you know uh, marijuana or 
to any type of list of drugs or any type of crime. So I don't think the nexus of the, the genesis of the problem would be marijuana is the gateway to all others. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I don't buy into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that may be wrong, and it may be wrong of, of me to say because I, I have not seen that. I've just yeah. seen people uh, that have made bad decisions didn't have that person in their life to say, hey, um, you know, might want to think this different. And that could have been a friend, could have been a pastor, could have been a coach. I had those people, mm. and so that's why I didn't make those decisions. But I do know good people uh, that had all that and then some, and still made the decision. So I don't say I'm not. I'm not going to put. I'm, I'll definitely not be one to say that marijuana is the uh, um, the genesis of all mm-hmm. and the, yeah. the gateway to all that. No, but uh, it, it it is going to be our stance, and and not so near future that we'll start. Um, looking turning a blind eye toward marijuana because fentanyl will be so bad mm. if we as a community want marijuana to stay illegal then we have to wake up to all of it and say all right here's a community here's what we're standing up so uh legislator representative senator here's here where we're at yeah that's good <laughs> so there's so many more questions i'm about to ask around uh all of that but i, I just i guess i'm kind of like processing everything that you said i'm thinking about the trends and where we're heading and i'm just seeing just from your own words just the value of what you are doing and so i want to say just thank you because i know you are trying to do a lot with a little or maybe not as much as you would like and so much of your job i'm sure is behind the scenes and the things that you are the stories you're hearing the things you're seeing have seen will seen uh that i would imagine takes a toll uh, on, it can take a toll yeah, on people, can. and so yeah. I'm. I just want to say thank you. I appreciate it. for what you guys are doing. Uh, it matters, yeah, and so it. and to those who are listening, yeah, let's be educated. I think is the first thing, mm-hmm. um, but then yeah, think about what are some practical things that we can do to help be a solution to the problem. And the big takeaway for me is the relationship, relationship. piece which is not always easy. It can be scary. (laughs) It can be very scary. Uh, But I think there are opportunities if we'll open our eyes and it'll have a bigger impact than you think. You know, you talked about that number of only 300 people we've saved. I mean, you just think about how many generations that impacts. It's incredible. Uh, It's incredible. And you just think about how much one person, it doesn't, one person never just impacts one person. Yeah. Like you have a web of relationships connected with you and people and the consequences and things as a result of those actions. And so, I just think, yeah, start small because small is big and slow is often fast, Yeah, you know. So, well, I would love to end here as we do with every single podcast, which is uh, a list of rapid-fire questions. Okay. So, you ready? Yes, let's go. All right, I'm going to bring them in. Number one, what is either the last uh, movie or show that you watched or book that you read? Uh, The greatest movie of all time. I watched uh, the rookie. I was about to say, <laughs> I watched it yesterday. Yeah. No, uh, I, I just watched Top Gun. Oh, the, yeah. the new one? Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. fantastic. That's He's watched good. it twice. Twice. Yeah. I, I, I've seen it three times. Have oh. you, dude? It's good, man. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Oh, yeah, it's good. I uh, I don't go to the movies very often. We went to the one in, in uh, Jonesboro just because we had the recliners. Love the Paragon one. Stuck out of it, too. Shout out to Cinema 8. <laughs> Uh, support local, shop local. Uh, but went there, had the big old 
Man, thank you, popcorn, yeah. the soda. So good. That yeah. was good. So that was good. good. That was good. Uh, favorite band? Oh, gosh. Or a favorite song? Yeah, I'm, I, I have to say ACDC. Right on, yeah, there's, I'm, I'm going through my I head. I can it's totally like, see. Which one am I going to make mad because they're listening to this, right? You know, uh, but yeah. No. <laughs> I'm immediately uh, starting to understand why you are the commander of the drug task force because uh, you like Top Gun and yeah, ACDC. ACDC. <laughs> like you are in the right position, my friend. Um, what is your favorite meal? It will be a steak that I've made, uh, medium. Okay. Um, just salt and pepper, a little bit of garlic. Let the meat do the talking. Yeah, right? That's what I'm talking about. Uh, let it sit for about two minutes because, I mean. Did, you throw any butter on it or anything? Uh, of course. Yeah. yeah. yeah unsalted. Uh, then we got uh, mashed potatoes um, and macaroni and cheese. Right oh, on. Yeah. You throwing any uh, garlic on any of that stuff? Not uh, No, it stays on the steak, yeah. You do I, a little uh, yeah. garlic on the steak. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, that's, yes. How, how good were the fillets from the airline? Listen, um, you know. Pretty good there the first a, 10 times. Yeah, and it just kept getting better. And oh, it's really? like, when oh, did okay. y'all have time to cook that? When did it, when did, it was such a magic trick how they made it happen. But uh, what, what I, I'd love to have a video of me eating it because I'm pretty sure to see it picked up with my hands. I'm like, <laughs> I know I'm not supposed to be doing this. But man, it was great. Okay. It's hard to beat a steak and potatoes, man. Yeah. Do you uh you like gas propane? You thought in like in a and a flat iron or you like a are you pellet grill? What do you do? You know, I've I've tried it all and it's just uh gas grill um um is my go to. You got to get the heat hot. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, my pellet grill won't do it. No, so I won't do it. I thought on the scale actually the reverse sear, put it in the smoker yep. and then skillet. The I uh, tried something. Uh, my best friend, I, I, I sous vide. Have you tried? Have you done sous vide? Uh. Uh-uh. You literally put it in a bag and put it in water for temperature for uh, 100 and something. And you can cook Phillip, it as long as you want, yeah. Philip has one, Jared. Yeah. You ask him about it. Then you take it out, and then you burn burn it, and man, that's uh, incredible. Re- it's, it's really, really good. But Shoot. I'm going to have to go back to I do uh, two minutes of just hot sear, then seven minutes each side, bada boop. Yes. Incredible steak. Yes. Love it. Let's keep talking about the hungry. <laughs> Let's go down to Skinny J real fast. They got, they got a pretty good steak over there. Max good. Bishop Max says, Bishop. the greatest in the world. What is that? <laughs> That's funny. Uh, what's on your nightstand right now? <laughs> well, full disclosure, uh, been gay. Arthritis cream for my knee. <laughs> what did you do to your knee? You, you hurt it. Yeah. Uh, is that a freak accident? Well, no. Uh, so we're on the plane and we train and uh, we're training – and uh, so you have all these scenarios. It's either going to be, you know, all the passengers attack you or just one guy he's hiding. In the scene, the scenario's over, and the instructor yells, all right, it's, it, it, the scene's over. And this guy, he's got the, his air marshal. He's training, but he's the bad guy. He's got his mask on so tight he can't hear it. And so I'm standing in an aisle, and he tackles me, oh. and uh, he, he – Literally broke my knee. So it's, Jeez. Uh, yeah. I actually, when I graduated uh, Air Marshal, I graduated on crutches. So that was the day before. So the day before I graduated, oh, broke my man. knee. So I've had uh, several surgeries over it. So. Wow. But anyway, uh, I'm, I'm sure nice you weren't like, thank you. No, no. Uh, literally, when I grabbed that arthritis cream, I, I, I'm uh, rolling my eyes at him. Ah, I bet you are. <laughs> thank you so much. The gift he's giving. Uh, give us a snapshot of an ordinary moment in your life that brings you great joy. 
oh, probably listening to, uh, I have a, have a son and, uh, he's getting to the point now where he's like, uh, what am I going to do? You know what? I'm, I'm, he's 19. So he's trying to figure stuff out. So I would say watching him go through that because he's, he's recently picked, he's like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm like, oh, great. You know, I'm, I'm trying to bite it and I'm being, I'm being told, Hey, Support, support, sports. But uh, honestly, it's 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 just all joy, because you know if he's a good person and he's going to be a good person, and this is this is your this is what you're here for. You know, this is the this is kind of what you made. This is going to be your legacy, not your job, not anything else. The the, the people that's going to replace you. Literally, my son. Uh, he just listening to him talk is it's, it's joyful. That's really yeah. cool, man. Last question: What is one thing that you're deeply grateful for right now? I would say, um, again, for the point of this conversation, and obviously uh, my son, but uh, um, and again, not trying to be morbid, I'll, I'll be quick. I have a, a ringtone on my phone that alerts me when we have an overdose or a, uh, um, a fentanyl arrest, and it's not gone off today, which is good. So I mean, it's uh, it's um, to be grateful yes, for me right. and for the the point of this conversation is that when it goes off, he's like, ah, there it is, another one. So, yeah, uh, to, to end, hopefully, let's ask me another question, so it won't be some more of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, man, I think that's actually a, a bright spot. And again, we have to get comfortable in sitting in sadness. Yeah. We have to get comfortable with sitting in brokenness. Uh, we. People who change the world don't turn the blind eye to real needs. And so I want to thank you for coming on and opening our eyes to some of these things. Well, and I'll stop you. I got to stop you right there yeah. because uh, uh, the reason uh, I, I wanted to, to, to do this is because of, of you and it, what y'all are doing with this. You are exactly what you're asking these other people to do. You're bringing light to Paragol. You're bringing light to the community. You are being a leader. So the very fact that you're asking these questions, getting these leaders, getting these stories in here, uh, you always say, you know, yeah, thanks for what you seriously. Everybody from on behalf of everybody else, thank you all for doing this podcast. Thank you all for showing light to Paragol. It's got great people in this community. And people are stepping up, and I know you can interview everyone. Everyone's got a story, but I hope they turn the mic on you and say thank you for what you've done. So yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you very much, job. man. That's a great place to end. That's a great, yeah, yeah, that's great. Say more about that. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks again, Shane. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for coming on, and if you're still listening, thanks for tuning in. As always, uh, we're so glad to have you with us. If you want to, uh, we would encourage you, please go give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Um, That helps people to find us more quickly and learn about just incredible stories like we just heard and the amazing people who live here. Also, um, if you've not found us already, uh, we're on Facebook. Follow us. Give us a like there. We're also on Instagram as well. As always, thanks so much for listening. Until next time.